0: Good afternoon, and this is Oz Salton, and welcome to Harlem Forward. Uh, Today, there's a couple issues I want to walk through uh, that really are about tackling the housing issue and understanding the serious problems with housing in America. If you think about most folks uh, across our great country, you see the remnants of what was the great generation you know the building of of subdivisions in suburbia for families coming back from the war and the growth that has happened over the course of the past 60 years in america now this starts pre-segregation but this goes through you know desegregation in 1968 and continues forward. But from desegregation, there were a number of challenges and a number of problems that we really need people to not just understand, but figure out how are we gonna resolve these. So, prior to 1968, in many black communities uh, across urban areas in most of America, What you had was smaller communities that were enabled or with access to jobs, access to transportation, uh, and access to affordable housing. Uh, LBJ, uh, you know, a Democrat, had put forth a housing program, uh, which has now become HUD. And one of the things that we have to think about as New Yorkers is that 30 percent of the entire hud portfolio billions and billions of dollars of housing is just in the new york metropolitan area okay just let that sink in 30 percent of everything in the country is right here in the five boroughs going into northern new jersey out into west new york a little bit into the island and a little bit north towards westchester and what that means Is that there's significant challenges in not just providing for people but providing people access Uh, there was a presentation I'd given in uh, the Netherlands about three years ago and one of the things that we had talked about was a concept called social physics and social physics basically looks at data and it says all right if I look at a community can I understand who has access to what and what kind of mobility they have And if you look at urban area after urban area after urban area in America, and this goes back to think about Cabrini-Greens in Chicago, think about some of the projects uh, that have been talked about in rap songs uh, all the way back to Pac, right? All of these places have strategically limited resources in terms of what people can get in training, and what people can get in terms of jobs. Most of the jobs that you're looking at, really from the 1990s forward, were service level jobs. And these service level jobs basically keep people in menial wage worker opportunities that they have no come up from. And we'll get to education in another podcast. But why am I talking about all of this? Because if you go back to 68, The development of projects inside of the United States disenfranchised black and brown populations that didn't have a lot of money from actually developing successful communities whereby they had control over the community. If you go to suburbia, what you'll realize is not only, uh, and this can be Democrat or Republican, depending on where you are in America, but not only do you have Different councils that have control of the education process, uh, you know, working with the police and the community uh, affairs boards that are there, um, as well as the housing. And the housing is really the most integral part that we have to talk about. So, if you think about this realistically, from LBJ forward, we've had roughly 60 years worth of policy that has kept people down. And why has it kept people down? Because one, the creation of projects ruined the communities that were organically there, having people in, in brownstones, having people in houses, having people with ownership, because ownership affords you respect. And what we've done is we've taken people from ownership and and move them into these perpetual you know subsidized rental scenarios but the problem with this perpetual rental scenario is that you own nothing you have no opportunity for generational wealth and even after you have been paying that rent for 45 years that you've lived there you still have to make sure that you have a family member that's close enough to inherit the apartment and In many cases, it has to be stated in a will, which, guess what? Most of the people in our communities don't understand that they actually have to put this legal paperwork into place, and we'll get into that in another podcast, uh, to ensure that they have succession of that property to their sons, to their daughters, to their nieces, to their nephews, or whoever is the closest family relative that can continue living there. And while all of this has occurred, we've seen, in uh, most cases, Democratic politicians removing the access to this housing over the course of 40 or 50 years. And I have to ask the question, we've had the same policies over and over. Currently, we've had Democratic politicians for, um, with the exception of Bloomberg, who was an independent, but roughly about 20 years in New York City. And I have to ask you the question, have things gotten better for you? Are you in better housing? Do you have better opportunities? Are you at risk of becoming homeless? Because this is a city where in many cases, most people are two months maximum away from being homeless because of the cost of living, which has gone up dramatically. Uh, the lack of ability to, you know, maybe work a second job or the exhaustion they have from the amount of labor that they're putting in and not being afforded opportunities to get the come up to make those $30, $40, $50 an hour jobs a reality for them. LBJ started something that created a problem. The state systems that were tied into this, with then created Section 8 housing and a variety of other subsidies basically set a scenario where if you are a impoverished family, you're running around to five or six different agencies over the course of a month, just to make sure that you're maintaining your housing. Okay. So then you're not making enough. So they provide food programs, uh, in, in, in order to, to subsidize people, but the food programs aren't necessarily always providing healthy food. And in many cases, they have access to cooked food because guess what? Some of the apartments that, that people are living in, that they are afforded subsidized access to, don't have working kitchens. They don't necessarily have, they may be sleeping rooms. They may be a variety of other things. And I think that the largest challenge that we have, and this goes to issues raised during VLM, was that there is a huge portion of America that has that doesn't understand the have-nots. And the have-nots are probably about 40% of America. And this is not just the urban populations. This is rural populations across America. We had housing that was you know, $800 for a bedroom in Harlem or sorry, one bedroom in Harlem about 10 years ago. That's now 2000 plus, 2100 plus all over this area. Okay, and that's going from 96th Street all the way up into Hamilton Heights and Washington Heights in the 160s, 170s. That's not fair. Okay, we had, you know, we had an entire rent is too damn high party pushing for, uh, you know, a variety of different offices over the course of the past couple of years, and you know that's pittered out because we've had all these developers come in and they're not building to the area median income area median income is how you gauge what you should be building. If people are making an average 45,000, you build housing that's maybe AMI 50, which is like okay, you know, half of your income is going into housing, but I don't have to worry about this that the housing's there. All the new housing that's coming in here is so expensive that people would have to have two wage earners in the house each making $45,000 to just qualify. To get into these buildings. And then there's paperwork, there, there's all these processes that most of our folks are not afforded the luxury of getting the education on, and, and that's something we're going to try and solve through a, a charity that I'm launching called Harlem Oz, which is at HarlemOz.org. We've already got educational resources and a few other things there, but the goal is to provide all of this education uh, through through video. Let's make it simple for you. Uh, And then the the last piece I want to talk to is that once you have created housing situations that don't have access to really a lot of job opportunities and all the job opportunities are working class, which nowadays means service industry, which means the most that you're probably going to be making is like, you know, 20 bucks an hour. And there's 11.5% New York tax. And then in addition to that, you're probably paying somewhere between 20 to 30 percent Federal tax, and you've got FICA and all these other things on there. So that fifteen dollar an hour paycheck, you're maybe bringing home ten dollars an hour. And then after that, you have to consider all the other expenditures that you have. If you have a child, child childcare for you, even in in you know more risky scenarios where something could happen to your child that you don't want happening, is at least hundred dollars a week. So the the programs. That we've had for 50 years are not working in concert like the way that program should work is like if you listen to a musical performance it sounds right the way that these things are it's it's imagine you've given a bunch of five-year-olds a violin a, a trombone and a tuba and you're like okay make beautiful music i'm like what the hell is that sound okay that's the sound of failure in the system that's the biggest sound that we have today And it is under Democratic politicians elected over and over and over again for the past two decades. They've all been in leadership. They've all had the roles. They've had city council. They've had mayorships. And this is in city after city after city across America, where you have HUD properties and HUD housing. There's fights in between the mayors and HUD in terms of delivering services. Currently, the city owes uh, NYCHA, which is the the housing authority, over $10 billion, okay, in back payments to get things fixed. Um, When I've gone to the Mount Sinai board, uh, you know, meetings, this just baffles me. We have problems with lead poisoning in children. We have problems with lead-based paint inside of these these housing projects. We have leaky ceilings. We have mold problems, okay, that are causing respiratory issues in young black and brown kids. And And then what do you think that lead does to the learning aptitude? Of, of kids. I mean, this is just continuing to mess us up and continuing to put us in situations that are a vicious circle over and over and over again. And when you think about the fact that since 1968, we've had probably four generations of people that have come through these communities, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, go out west, even back to Tulsa, okay, where the horrible things happened all the way back in the 1920s. And now you've got the Watchmen franchise and HBO trying to educate people about this stuff, all right? And that's about the only thing that you have in terms of the education because the travesties that have been levied upon black communities in this country are not necessarily afforded through the education process and people don't learn about this. So what does that do? That builds a bigger, bigger, bigger divide. And while we've sat and wallowed inside of these, these limited communities where we haven't had access to, um, to the proper resources, where housing is still an expensive thing, guess what? Instead of explaining to people that there's an opportunity to put a small deposit down and purchase this property, okay, you can become an owner of that project. Um, instead of doing that, what they end up doing is they force people out and they sell it and convert it into condos. Cabrini Greens, Candyman Territory in Chicago, which were some of the most dangerous places to go. And I would really roll in there with my cousin only for the fish fry because the fish fry was freaking amazing. Um, but p- entire projects that were boarded up, okay? You're just driving by entire projects that were boarded up because the police couldn't get into them inside of the 90s. These are now three hundred to $500,000 condos that they've relocated all the black people for. They moved them over to the other projects in the South Side. And the problem with the South Side, and I talk about these communities not having access to transportation, guess what they also don't have access to? Food. Because the only place that you had was my cousin's halal pizza puff stand with bulletproof glass because we created a dangerous situation to raise families in, but no one's paying attention to this. And a liquor store. You didn't even have a grocery store over there. So when the social security check comes in, do you know what these families were doing, these single moms were doing? Is they're coming in and they're buying a bunch of pizza puffs to put in a refrigerator so that they can eat and feed their kids for a week. This is no different than the government cheese of the 1950s. Nothing has changed. And so that's why I'm speaking to you now, because we need comprehensive reform. I'm running for State Senate, I'm launching a nonprofit and I'm going to create a lab in Harlem to figure out what actually works because we have had 60 years of democratic policies that every five years just get renamed and tested on on another generation of kids. And then they fail and they go, oh, well, you know, we tried. Well, you've been trying for 60 years, maybe we can start talking to the people and finding out what they need. And that's what I'm starting in, in about two weeks with surveying of every single you know person that we can get access to to figure out how are they living, what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. And in fact, most of the funding programs that are available to you, okay, first time buyer, now this might change with COVID, but were you aware that as a first time homeowner that you, could only put, that you only had to put 2.5% down. You have to have like a 680, 700 credit score, but 2.5% down and you can buy a place. And what I'm explaining to people is, think about buying a place as this. Your price for rent is fixed for 30 years. And after 30 years, you stop paying rent and you own that property. Then that property you can borrow against, you can loan against, something bad happens to you, someone dies. Even if you're paying a mortgage on that property, you have an asset that you can go and borrow against. There's no difference between you and your white counterpart in suburbia if you have that kind of access. But those are the things that we need to put in place. And then let's talk about the homeless issue, okay? I've worked uh, with the Five Borough uh, Coalition Against Homelessness over the course of the past year, year and a half, and Sam Esposito, I think, is doing a great job with this stuff and he's out in uh, Ozone Park. But if you look at, at the challenges that we have with housing and homelessness, and, and people, remember, two months away from homelessness, many, many people, and, and this throws people into a shelter position. If you and your significant other are not on the birth certificate of your child, you get willy lynched. Do you know what that means? That means you are separated. They put the men over here, they put the woman and the child in this shelter until they can figure out where to put them. And guess what? They're never going to be put together because both names aren't on the birth certificate. And people don't know these things. People don't understand these things because we have created this scenario of child support, which is onerous. And that's another thing that we need to start reforming. And that needs to come on the state level. And you can only do that from state Senate. And that's something I'm committed to. It's on my policy platforms. And if you have input on these types of things, I'm all ears. Okay, I've got... Community advocates. I've got a director of community engagement that's starting to roll things out. We're gonna have community ambassadors that are gonna be meeting locally, but we're gonna try and test this in Harlem. Because if you think about what successful communities were, on the police side, when we didn't have police brutality, we had block watches, okay? We had membership of the community with the police Something happens to a kid, block watch. mama goes over, talks to cops, goes like, he's going through some things right now. Like, we'll take care of this. This is our family. This is our community. We need to get back to that. That's what starts police reform. The rest is community policing. If you work in Harlem, you live in Harlem. Okay, stop sending us people from Staten Island and New Jersey and Westchester and Rye, New York. Like, what does someone from Rye, New York know about Harlem? You know, and think about the scenarios that we have to deal with. They don't even know street corner resources exist. And when, when they show up when your kid gets shot, when someone gets incarcerated. They help with busing programs to get families to go and see members of, of their family that end up in jail. And I'm going to tell you poor white, poor black, poor brown. Everyone knows someone or has a family member who went to jail. That's just the reality of the neighborhoods they live in because the opportunities are so goddamn limited that there's no come up. And so if we're really going to change this and change the housing and change the policy, it's four different pieces. On the homeless front, when they set the law in Albany, they set it in 1973. So do you know what they give you? As a family, as a single mother with a child, as a man with a kid, they give you $800 a month. So you tell me where $800 a month is going to find you an apartment in New York City, anywhere. You might get a sleeping room. So is that safe to have a sleeping room with your kid? Is it safe to be a woman with a kid inside of a sleeping room or maybe a shared space? That's not safe at all. We've got sexual assaults. We've got domestic violence issues. We've got all this stuff coming up because we have created a Willie Lynch type situation over and over and over again. The policies that come in, the the food programs, these don't help. You really want to help people? We put a workfare program back in like Reagan had in the 80s. And I honestly don't care how you feel about Reagan. And in fact, I don't care how you feel about political parties in general, okay? Because I'm running reform. I am a Republican. I am family values. I am, uh, you know, community values. I am working to to make sure that like your religious rights are maintained because faith faith is something very integral to our communities. And and over and over again, our faith gets mocked by other people, and it's not fair. Our churches, our mosques, our synagogues are the only ones providing latchkey services, latchkey programs, after school programs, daycare, education. All right. The only way that you can get tutoring, free tutoring, is through these organizations. And they're being attacked by people who don't understand them because their secular values don't line up with things that they don't understand, don't want to understand, and don't want to get to know. And that was the crux of Black Lives Matter. Fix that. Treat people the same way you treat people of your own race. And then maybe we start fixing things in America. And so it's going to come down to this. You want to fix housing? We're going to have to fix it from the top. And that's from NYCHA down. You want to fix the community? We have to make sure that people are afforded access to simple and cheap mass transportation. Because I'm going to tell you, no one gets a a weekly up here. Weekly is $31. $31 is a lot for a lot of people if they're just not going to use it. So they're going to be paying $275 a fare. The number of people that we that I personally have had to swipe in because they're just standing there because they don't have $275 to get home. Is absolutely ridiculous. And now we're dealing with a COVID recession. Look, the Great Depression was a couple of concepts. Uh, you know, GDP is gross domestic product. It's basically the total amount that's created in terms of value from each one of us working together collectively in America. The Great Depression was a, a decline of about 1.5 to 3%. We're currently at 30%. All right, so where do you think this is going? I went to the grocery store the other day and I looked at the organic milk. It tastes like grass, I kinda like it. But eight bucks for a half gallon? You know, I'm even rethinking my decisions in terms of what I'm buying. And if you go to the meat shelf, because guess what? Everyone eats meat, it's not really great meat anymore. And it's still pretty expensive. Chicken has gone up to like maybe three to five bucks a pound how are people on fixed income? So then think about the spectrum. We've got the elderly, fixed income. We've got the young, single parents, fixed income. And everyone in that bell curve in the middle who has different earning potential, but these people have never been afforded the opportunity to to learn things, to level up. You want to start, go to harlemaz.org. Just click on the education opportunities. I've literally pulled Every single free education program that's out there, you can go through these things. you can get the degree certificates, the program completion certificates. you can utilize this to to beef up your resume to go after the jobs that that honestly our communities only think that white people have access to because it's not about that and remember now our communities have changed they're salt and pepper, you know they're black and white and brown um that might just be more of like a Jamaican spice in there but that's that's a separate issue you know it, it's it's how do we how do we just fix this? You got to fix the homeless policy. That's Albany. That needs a bill, okay? That needs to be passed into law. You need to fix the NYCHA policy. That means working with HUD on the federal level that ne- that means another bill. That has to be put into senate that has to be passed into law you want to fix the issues of not having people to run around in between five to six different organizations just to make sure oh my god do i have my ebt oh my god am i losing my money for my baby oh my god i can't get money for diapers and milk do you know what pushes people into some of the most horrible situations and on earth and and why they end up creating only like why women end up creating OnlyFans? pages is because they can't afford milk money okay do you understand why young bucks in in many of our communities go to jail is because they can't eat they join gangs they join many of these organizations because it's an opportunity to eat you've got camaraderie and some friends you've got people that'll stand up for you so you don't get beat down if something happens in your community and at the same point in time you have some respect And that's really what a lot of my policies are about and why I want to get to Albany and why I want to get these things written and passed. And I've already got legislation on the floor in Rhode Island to pass blockchain laws tied to hemp. So you have documentation, seed to sale. I know where this came from. I know where it's going. I know what was sold. I know what it was processed into. I've done this before. And now I want to do this here, but I want to be the first of leaders that teaches other leaders, okay, because it's not just me. I need people like me in all 50 states in the union. I need people like me who want to change things and believe that, you know what, where we live is good. The people are awesome. And the relationships that we have and, and the, the membership that we have in this community is like our, our soul, our, our blood. But you can't do that if you keep disenfranchising these communities, you keep taking things away And you keep limiting our housing opportunities. And if you keep turning NYCHA projects into expensive housing to bring gentrifiers in and keep pushing people out, no one is going to travel two hours each way to work your service level job and clean your building, which, by the way, might not be occupied anymore because of COVID. No one's going to want to work at your McDonald's. There was a woman in Philadelphia, okay, and it was a video that was put up. Black woman, black entrepreneur. She has a place in Twenty Second Street. She drove up to McDonald's, told the two girls working, "I'll pay you twelve dollars an hour because the minimum wage in Pennsylvania. If I'm forgive me if I'm wrong here, is still like around nine bucks. Okay, so you think about the taxes taken out after nine bucks and how much you're actually making. They quit on the spot. They got into her car, and then there was a follow up video showing that they hired. She hired them. It's a fried chicken joint. It's local. You're supporting local businesses. And, and that's the last thing I'm just going to touch on. Once we start moving to fix the housing, once we start working to make sure that the developers coming into our neighborhood are building the right type of housing. That's you know, th- These have to be developers that are only looking to make 40% uh, margin. And there's many, many of them out there. 20% if uh, it's a long-term uh, build and they're, they're going to make money off the rental and it's going to be recurring. As opposed to what most of these, these uh, developers are doing is they're looking to make 60 to 100% of every dollar they put in. Look, I understand wanting to make money. I understand that this is America. I understand capitalism. But there is being onerous and there is ruining communities and that stuff has to stop. Stop. And beyond that, we have to fix the economics. But I think I've belabored this enough. I want you to think about what I said. I want you to share this with your friends. And I want you to think about the points I raise. You have had democratic leadership in these cities for 60 years many times. What has changed? Are you better? Find leaders like myself, give us a shake. Give us a vote. Tell your friends. Because you know what? We are going into a massive recession and we need change. And that change has to be substantial and not just lip service. And I'm ready to write policy. And in fact, I'm ready to work with people across the aisle and build coalitions because it's the only way we're gonna pass bills. Look, this is like student government, except on a much bigger level. And there's way more at stake and there's billions of dollars in play. And I'd love to be the guy that you know helps support you.